It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on in to The Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. Every month we discuss the state of women in Utah. I am joined by my guest, Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women and Leadership Project and Emily Bell McCormick of the Policy Project to powerhouse ladies doing amazing things in each of their fields. Ladies, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for being here. Okay, so we're going to discuss today a report that we did this week on KSL News Radio, and yours truly actually reported on this. So it was very uh, apropos for me to take this topic. But uh, consistently, year after year, and for the last four years, Utah has ranked the worst in the nation for women's equality, according to Wallet Hub. And Wallet Hub does these surveys every year, and they rank according to certain criteria, and Utah consistently ranks in the lowest. Well, the Utah Women in Leadership Project took this Wallet Hub study, dissected it down into its three main components and then the categories which it, within each of those three main components and really looked at where Utah doesn't get points in these areas and how that can be sort of a bellwether to address what we need to in the state of Utah. So, Dr. Madsen, the, th- the main takeaway that I personally took from your uh, presentation on dissecting this Wallet Hub study and why Utah consistently ranks worse for women's equality um, was that uh, it's not so much about the numbers on the paper, right? It's not so much that we need to be first in this ranking, although that would be great. But this ranking in your mind and with your research really did signify the way that others view Utah. And you talked in your presentation about how important it was for others to view Utah as a place where women can come and find equality. Am I summarizing your words accurately? Absolutely amazing, Lindsay. It's a heavy report, but you just summarized it brilliantly. Um, So I do want to point out a couple of things. One is that the reason we did this report, and and you know, both of you know, that, that we have so much research. I have like 15 teams going with different studies. So all of a sudden, we pivoted, and that's because Zions Bank, Scott Anderson at Zions Bank, he contacted me and said, you know, we continue to get at this worst state in the nation, but let's, uh, we've got to understand it so we can figure out what to do more assertively. Like, how can we change these? Because it really, as you said, it, it's not about all about the rankings and so forth, but it is on the one hand, because if we are continuously in the press nationally and even globally, people contact me. I'm sorry you have to live in Utah because that's not a good place for women. Yeah, that email came a couple of weeks ago from, I think it was a contact in Lithuania, actually. And I'm like, that's not good. Um, but we do want people to know Utah's a great sp- space, you know, a great state. And we're trying to attack talent. We have so many job openings, a talent shortage, like out of control right now. So it is important for people to view us as a good place for families. And it is in many ways. Um, Wallet Hub also has a second ranking, 
not about women's equality, but about the best and worst states for women. And we're 28th on that. Mm -hmm. At least we're the middle of the pack. But when we are absolutely 50th, that does not look good for us. But on the other hand, just getting the rankings and not changing the lived experiences of women in the workplace or in the political environments, not great either. Yeah, so, really so, important. Yeah. Um, and let, em- yeah, let me let me have Emily weigh in here on her initial blush thoughts before we dive into some of what your research found. Emily, when you heard uh, Susan's presentation, you were at the breakfast. Tell me your initial thoughts. Yeah, you know, well, this is a study that I'm very familiar with this 50 out of 50th ranking. I've written several op-eds about this because it's just such a catchy way of saying, hey, work needs to be done here, right? And um, particularly one thing that I love that Susan writes about in the study, and I think she said at the breakfast too, is just that, you know, this ranking, yeah, we want to, we want to change that ranking, but the reality is these rankings come from real numbers. Right. They come from a place that we have we have work to do here. We can do better. We know better. And so we should start doing better. So I think um, I was just really excited to see this take form because although many of us wanted to know, you know, why are we getting this ranking? None of us did it. And Dr. Madsen got out and did it with Scott Anderson's help. So, so grateful for uh, both of their work on this. But I am, I'm especially excited because I think once we break um, a ranking like that down into separate pieces, what it does for us in the policy world and you know, people, organizations thinking about women's equality and equity is it really gives us manageable chunks to work on. And so for me, it's actually really exciting. Yeah. And I think it's good for uh, state leaders too to hear it and say, oh, here's an area where we may not have thought of maybe we need policy around this or maybe we just need a culture shift or maybe we need, you know, some policy groups to come in here and advocacy groups. Yeah. And with that, I'll just say, you know, it's interesting because I've heard over the years, in fact, one op-ed that I wrote where I specifically talked about Utah being 50 out of 50 for women's equality, um, somebody kind of did a counter op-ed that said, well, we're not a we're not accounting for a lot of different things and da, da, da. And, and it's true. There are some things that are entirely left out of that study, like childcare and volunteer hours, those kinds of things that should be looked at. But the reality is, again, just that this is real. It's not made up. These are real numbers. It's a, it's a real lived experience that women are having. And so let's just be honest about it and then we can work on it and move forward. Yeah. Okay. So let's dive into, in our last minute here in this segment, let's just kind of introduce the three main topics that the Wallet Hub study covers. And then in our subsequent segments, we will dissect those a little bit for you. So I'd invite you to stay tuned. Uh, Susan, the Wallet Hub study looked at Utah's, uh, the way we treat women and in three main categories. What Wallet Hub does is they have 17 key indicators that come from different databases each, and they lump those 17 into three primary categories. And the first category has 10. It's the biggest one, although it's worth, so so Wallet Hub is worth 40 or 100 points. So 40 points are workplace environment, and that's 10 of those. 40 points are, are uh, education and health. And there's only three in there, and each of them are worth a ton of points. And then the last one, there's four, and that's political empowerment. So workplace environment, health and education, and political empowerment. And uh, political empowerment's worth 20 points, 40 points for the other two. And that adds, you know, we add all those points. Utah has a 
about 29 points of the 100 points. The top state is Nevada, and Nevada has 77 of those points, just yeah. to give you a perception. The next state, the next worst state, is Idaho, and they're about seven points above us, which is quite a few. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to break this down in the next segment. Stick with us. Uh, this Wallet Hub study. We're talking with Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women in Leadership Project and Emily Bell McCormick with the Policy Project. We'll dive into this when we come back on The Mom Show. You joined The Mom Show. Being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. I am Lindsay Ertz here with Dr. Susan Matson of the Utah Women in Leadership Project and Emily Bell McCormick with the Policy Project, uh, the Utah Women in Leadership Project. Dr. Susan Matson recently commissioned a study to dissect uh, the recent, most recent, the August of 2021 Wallet Hub study. For four years in a row, Utah has ranked worst in the nation for women's equality, and Dr. Matson dove in and dissected why, where our points come from in this survey, again as a bellwether uh, to kind of uh, up our rankings so other states view us perhaps as a great place for women's equality. So I think it's important to dive into this. And and they did take three main categories. Each of those are weighted, and then within those there are sort of subcategories. Uh, and so workplace environment was the first category, then health and education, and then political empowerment. So in the workplace environment category, Susan, the most interesting thing I found that your research showed was about Utah's minimum wage. You said that if we raise our minimum wage for every dollar we do that, we can shrink the wage gap. Talk to me about that. Yeah. You know, one thing I want to say before, I don't want to take all the credit. I'll take most of it. <laughs> but my co-author happened to be my husband who had just finished a PhD. And I was looking for a researcher that could analyze numbers. And I was talking to him about that. I'm like, if I only knew someone that could do this, this, and this. And he kind of raised his hand. He's like, I just finished my PhD. I'm really good at that stuff. Um, so I just want to give credit where credit is due, right? So I, that was my first report with my husband. So and you're still married. Uh, and it went pretty well. Just a couple of <laughs> a couple of issues here and there, but but he, he did a great job. So um actually the where you're talking about the minimum wage, the main category of that is um there's there's over 12 points that Wallet Hub gives for the pay gap. So the gender pay gap, it's okay. called income disparity. And uh, uh, Utah ranks 45th in the nation on that. And so um, Wyoming's always worse. Other rankings rank us maybe second to the worst, but this ranking was that. And what we looked at, the, the wage gap is so complex and it includes so many different things. However, Lindsay, you're right. And it, that's so interesting to me that that was one thing that really stuck out is the minimum wage. Well, I learned that so there's what, a disparity between the number of women and men who make close to or at minimum wage. And so by upping the minimum wage, you up pay for women. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do want to say that a lot of the databases that we get to, like the U.S. Census was a database that WalletHub used. It was 2019 data. I'm just putting that out there. COVID has happened. The craziness with the economy and housing is happening, all of these different things. Uh, next year, we'll have 200, 
2020. So the data is always a little bit lack, but we did want to put some specific numbers. Like if we did specific things, how would it move the needle? And one of the things that we could kind of get meat or, you know, just our hands around was the minimum wage. And our recommendation is really, let's raise that in Utah. Right now it's $7.20. And that's federal. And so Utah just follows that. But we still find what people paying minimum wage, right? Um, I don't think that many are anymore, but but there are a set of, you know, there are people that do that. So if we raise that, we will lift some people out of poverty. Yeah. Emily, your thoughts here. Yeah, you know, I think um, that was just a fascinating finding for me. I think there's been a lot of talk at the federal level about changing the minimum wage. And I know that it's been a discussion in the last few months and there's some hesitation to do it. You know, there always is with any policy, but you look at how quickly that changes a lived experience for a woman and how quickly that addresses this issue, you know, and and gives us some concrete, not only the um, affecting the number that wallet hub is reporting, but also just the reality of what that looks like. Um, later in the study, I know that Dr. Madsen, and maybe she can, maybe she remembers the exact numbers right off the top of her head. And I don't, but it was something like if you have one child in preschool and one child in care, a livable wage, which is nothing extra. That's not, you're going to Hawaii every year. That's just, I can afford housing. I can afford to feed my kids without worry. I can, you know, basic basics clothing. It was something like $60,000 a year. Mm. It was really high. And that again was uh, data from two years old. So think about the housing costs in the last last two two years. years. Is that not crazy? It was brutal. Um, What I found also interesting was, and Lindsay, I don't know if this popped out at you, but but a couple of the other categories related to one related to how many men versus how many women are earning over $100,000 per year. Mm-hmm. And then another one was how many men versus how many women have those top titles like the t- like CFO, you know, COO, CEO, you know, all of those things. And we're 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 quite, there's quite a disparity in the state of Utah on those two. Yeah. And something I found interesting in that regard was that that sort of speaks to what businesses can do, right, in terms of bias training and making sure there's not gender discrimination. Like, are you not hiring a woman because you think she might have a baby and she, you can't afford her to take time off, right? Some of those implicit biases that may come into hiring women. And I think, Susan, those were even in some of your recommendations, right, as you looked at this point. Um, you know, I think that really speaks to uh, what businesses can do to make sure they have gender equity within their organizations. So, so I, you brought up something that I, I'm going to comment on because back to the wage gap, um, it is so interesting. We have a new snapshot or new brief that's coming out um, soon. Our sexist comments number two. And oh my gosh, will we have fun talking about that because we have example, example, example. And what it made me think of is in the last couple of weeks, I've gotten probably four emails from people saying the wage gap is a myth. It doesn't exist. Mm. This is not reality. I do get this emails when it's, when I just say, thank you for your opinion. I do have the facts. 
<laughs> and we literally do the, the research facts. on this, people. <laughs> but but when you read the lived experiences that that you'll get next, I think it's next week we're going to get this second brief out. Oh my gosh, the actual. I mean, people are saying my boss sat down with me and said, "You deserve a a pay raise." However, your colleague who's a man is supporting a family and he needs it worse. And so he will get it. Oh my gosh. I will not hire you, you know, and some, someone else just said, you know, um, someone, a man had said, you know, I don't want to hire any woman that's of of a certain age because she's going to have, she has a uterus and she's going to use it (laughs) is what (laughs) I I mean, these people are telling us all of these comments. So when people say, well, there's not a wage gap and there's not, first of all, there's obviously a wage gap. We have evidence, but when you say people will say it's just women's choices, right? Not not really. We have lots of evidence to say that's not the case. So fascinating. We're going to dive into the education uh, piece of this Wallet Hub study with Dr. Susan Madsen and Emily Bell McCormick when we come back on The Mom Show. It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back in to The Mom Show today. Thank you for joining me. I love our segment every month where we get to talk about the state of women in Utah. And today we're dissecting a Wallet Hub study, the most recent one from 2020, August, right, of last year. 2021. Uh, oh, actually. sorry. The most recent one from August of 2021, which ranks Utah worst in the nation for women's equality. This is the fourth year in a row we have the honorable title. And uh, Dr. Susan Madsen from the Utah Women and Leadership Project took this research, dissected it down into why Utah gets the rankings that we do. And there's three main categories, your workplace uh, environment, your the education uh, gets a lot of points, and then uh, the political involvement is another one of the categories. So all three of those categories have subcategories, and then each one gets weighted and points, and then all your points equal 100, right? So that's where the research breaks down on a very simplistic level. But let's dive into the education piece. Dr. Matson. my biggest takeaway from this section was that there are many more men in Utah with graduate degrees than women. Absolutely. So there's three three things. Let me just give an overview. That's the first one. And that's worth 13.33 points. That's like a chunk. And that's, we have the least points given on that of any other state. So education is the first. And the second is the disparity between boys and girls in eighth grade math scores. And then the third one is the disparity in perceptions of doctor's visits, the affordability. Mm. So starting, those are the three, and each of them have significant points, 13 points for the 100 points with each. But that first one on uh, the disparity, it's called the disparity in advanced educational attainment. Basically, it means you look at the population and the number of men versus the number of women in completing degrees above a bachelor's degree level. And in all but seven states, women are 
getting more degrees than men in terms of anything, master's degree, professional degrees, JDs, PhDs, uh, you know, anything. And in seven states, they, women are less, we're one of those seven, and we have the biggest gap. 9.2% of Utah women are earning or have graduate degrees, and 13.5% of men earn those graduate degrees, which is a 4.3% difference, which is wider significantly than any other state. And what's interesting is I've been talking about getting your education for so many years, yet we've really, we were well behind in terms of bachelor's degrees, and now in the last decade, uh, we're, we've really caught up. Women are slightly even more in Utah than men. Yet, I haven't even talked about, you know, I haven't even talked publicly or do editorials necessarily on graduate degree education. So, yeah. so that's going to, that's resulting in some changes I'm making in terms of what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's interesting that now you can kind of push that message. Emily, as you hear that statistic that more men, uh, significantly more men are getting graduate degrees in Utah than women, does it speak at all to sort of a general of women that we've had this culture where it's like motherhood is your ultimate calling right and so it's like get an education if you can but you're going to become a mom so it doesn't really matter yeah you know I think I I think that's very much a reality for people in this state especially those that are part of the majority religion here and um you know it's a religion that that offers a lot of wonderful things we see that in really strong communities and a strong local governments and those kinds of things um but but it does it does come at a price right like when we have that narrative going through um and a and a moral value attached to time spent in a home and and maybe not at work mm. just shifting that perception of what that should actually look like would be a really important thing to increasing the numbers there i also wanted to and the numbers of uh women uh, getting graduate degrees and um, the other thing that i wanted to say that was just kind of a neat experience that i had at this breakfast is that i happened to be seated at a table with the president of westminster college a woman and the president of uh weber state um, a, a man who's the president of Weber State. First of all, just really neat. So fun. I mean, you don't always get to break it down with two presidents of universities at the same time. And that, so that was a really neat thing. And Susan and Dr. Madsen obviously draws a crowd. Um, <laughs> and the next thing is that we were able to like de- uh, do a deep dive into this education thing and really focus on, you know, what's happening in education that's making us fall behind there. And we know that, you know, a couple of the things that we really settled on were, we've got to look at teachers' wages, you know, and when we talk about that living wage, um, teachers are not actually making that living wage based on the number of people they have in their family and those kinds of things. And so because of that, you don't get the same kind of people going into education, you know, wanting to be public school teachers. It's really hard to incentivize people to do that when they know that they can't afford a family in, in, in with our standard of living that we have. Um, the other thing that we really talked about was at what point do we need to be um, intersecting with girls if they're already uh, being behind in math scores at age, was it age eighth eight? Grade. Or, eighth grade, eighth grade. Yeah. yeah. Um, in eighth grade, at what point do we need to be intersecting with them and showing them different models of careers, of, of life journeys, life paths, you know, um, opening up their world to different levels of interest? It's got to be really young. We just have to, and that's something that not every 
mother, not every father can do alone. It has to be society at large that are modeling these for these girls so that they can see it at a younger age. And Dr. Matson, I found that statistic staggering that eighth grade girls, and correct me if I'm wrong, are two full points behind eighth grade boys on their math scores. And that, that just is so true. And what we sense. do know is that in other countries, not all countries, but in some other countries, there's really no gap. And so what we know is it's more socialization and it's more teaching, actually. Teaching pedagogy is super important. And actually with math, some of, the, some of the research says that girls and boys would do better if they were separated and taught differently because girls, the way our brains are put together, we can learn math. We can be great at math, but it's those messages from society, especially traditional, that boys are better at this and girls are better at this. You know, Mm -hmm. we've talked about this Mm -hmm. so much. The other uh, day I was um, cooking with my daughter and we had to do some just like minute math problem and add up something or other, take away something or other, how many chocolate chips we were putting in our cookies. (laughs) And I said, see, honey, math is important. You are going to use math outside of school. (laughs) I do think... um, You know, uh, we're, I think in that one, let me look real quick, but in that one, we are ranked 43rd in the nation. We got some of the points for that one, but we're still, we were still missing six or seven, which is huge, right? And if we could shrink that even by one point, we could shift our score up. Definitely. I know that's a big one. And I know the K through 12 system, the State Board of Education is is on that, but we've just got to do more there. Yeah, um, really important. Okay, and then the third section within this category of education, again, we're breaking down this Wallet Hub study that uh, ranks women consistently the worst in the nation uh, for women's equality. And Susan's uh, research with the Utah Women in Leadership Project, Dr. Matson's research with the Utah Women in Leadership Project, um, really dissected the rankings and why Utah ranks the way we do in that study. Um, and so the third one in this category of education that we're talking about, the disparity and doctor's visits affordability. I found this so interesting. So Susan, tell me exactly what that means. Yeah, I, before I forget though, because if someone's listening to this whole episode, I want to mention that on the day this report was launched on December 2nd, uh, we did have a breakfast. It was at Zions Bank and, and about 100 people were there. And that's what Emily's talking about. So giving some context right, uh, right. for that. But back to your question. So this item, and and I know the University of Utah Medical Assistance looking at this, the hospitals, and also Intermountain and others as well, but there's a disparity between men and women in the state of Utah. We rank about 41st out of all 50 states, Um, and the CDC is the one that measures this. The share of adults who felt or perceived that they could not afford a doctor's visit due to costs. And so when you look at men and women and the differences, women in Utah, it's very significant, are much more worried about the affordability of doctor's visits, which then, as we know, impact if they're going to seek health care for themselves, but even more, both of you know, you have kids or for your kids. And so that's where we we really have a difference here, about 4% between men and women. Men are much more likely to say, oh, I can afford, I can go. And women are like, oh, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Emily, did this statistic jump out to you? And what did you, what do you take from it? 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, mostly I, I was just so interested that that was a measurement that we were looking at. I, I didn't, anyway, that actually, that one caught me totally off guard. I will say on, um, you know, in, in the program where Susan talked about this study, I, there was kind of a gasp when that happened and there were some comments that were like, that's because men don't know how much they cost. <laughs> I was kind of laughing at that. Um, but I think, um, I just think that's an interesting thing. Um, and, and it goes to show that, that I, I think that uh, women really have that anxiety around finances. And when you have so many other things on your plate, that increased anxiety around finances and what you can afford, you know, clearly women should be able to afford to have health care with their children. Yeah. And, and I have to say, because I serve on a couple of committees that look at women in finances in this state. And, and we do know that, that women are much more, they don't understand finances generally when compared to men, they stay out of those conversations. Uh, men are the ones that show up to talk to their, their, um, their uh, experts or, or what do you call them? I'm forgetting. The, the car name. salesmen, the car salesmen. Advisors. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they're <laughs> accountants much more and don't, don't bring their wives into it, which has all, all, uh, you know, lots of problems uh, just with that one. So interesting. Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women in Leadership Project, breaking down the Wallet Hub study, dissecting it. Emily Bell McCormick with the Policy Project. Uh, we're talking about the state of women in Utah. One more segment with these two ladies to dive into this piece about political empowerment. And in Utah, we really struggle in this category. So we'll talk about that when we come back on The Mom Show. Back inside The Mom Show. Dads are welcome, but moms come here to be heard. We're with Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into The Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. Been talking about a Wallet Hub survey that consistently for the last four years in a row has ranked women, ranked Utah worst for women's equality in the nation. And Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women and Leadership Project, they took this research, they dissected it to find out where Utah can score more points in these categories simply as a way to say, hey, look at some of these areas that we may not realize we're lagging behind. Not that this survey in particular and these points are so important, but more so to say, here's some areas where the nation views us as lagging in women's equality. So we've been talking about their three main categories, a workplace, environment and then health and education and then this third one is political empowerment and largely we can just see this on the surface with the numbers dr madsen that um we have we've never elected a woman to the senate we have no women in congress right now we have very few women in executive positions one with the lieutenant governor um and this is just a category where getting women involved politically we seem to struggle yeah, we we always have. Uh, actually, not not in the early days in the suffrage, and we had some of the first women elected, but we've struggled with this for decades and decades. So, bottom line, this section had twenty points. The other two had had forty points, but there's four elements, and each of them are five points. And it's amazing how much progress on the points, but everything if we can elect women. So, the first one is. The share of lawmakers in the U.S. Senate, we have two spots in the U.S. Senate, and we have never had a woman. So the recommendation, elect one woman. And we have a couple of women uh, who are in the, the race right now. Second Susan, one, sorry, I U.S. Wanna, House. I just want to well, drill down on that for one second if we can. I don't think we would say, let's elect a woman just because she's a woman. 
right? Yeah. But what is your recommendation for why we don't elect women per se when we don't want to elect her just because she is a woman? Yeah, the two women that are running right now are extremely prepared, extremely prepared to not, it's not just women, but however, you know, going back to the argument, what we know is we're not represented when we have the, the children, women, we're just not represented. We care about different things. We don't have different perspectives. Not every woman's the same, but, but uh, we need to elect uh, people who represent. It's a representative bureaucracy that's yeah, what we're and maybe to it's have. a function of not discounting someone subconsciously by right our implicit bias yeah. checking those at the door making sure we're asking women fair political questions not who's watching your children while you're out running for office yeah. <laughs> things like that okay what else did you in our last one minute here dr madsen what else did you find interesting uh from our political lack of political empowerment in utah well in the the another five points was how many women are in the u.s house we have four seats they're all men we had four women throughout time throughout the beginning of utah let's put it so electing two women would get us some points also we have less women legislators we're, we're ranked 40th right now in terms of where we stand and so our recommendation is elect seven additional women four senators three representatives and that would just get us to that tipping point that 30 percent that has been shown through so much research to make a difference and then Lastly, get, let's get, we have five statewide executive positions in the state. We have one woman in that. We used to not have any. Let's get another woman to take one of those spots. So those are the recommendations and the areas for that last section. Emily Bell McCormick is with the Policy Project. So Emily, you work with lawmakers every single day. You are up right. there on Capitol Hill. You are trying to push women's friendly, family friendly legislation uh, through uh, Utah's uh, legislature, which is only 25 percent female. What problems do you incur? What do you see as our biggest issue? You know, it's interesting because when you are up on Capitol Hill here um, in a state ranked 50 of 50 for women's equality and where you have 75 percent men, which is actually down, you know, that number used to be 80. Um, what you see is just a lack of legislation around women's issues. It just lacks generally. And, and I realize that um, sometimes we don't think, well, the reality is that it creates a perception that um, looking at gender differences doesn't matter. But when you look at other, and I'm sure Susan, Dr. Madsen could support this with a lot of research, but when you look at other um, areas where they're better on equality, if you look at other regions in the world where they're better, um, you see that economically they're better, that in so many other ways, society does better, education's better, outcomes are just better. And yes, we have a very high quality of living here in Utah, it's wonderful. Imagine if it were even higher. Imagine if we could erase some of these issues, right? And and one of the ways that we can do that is concretely looking at women's issues, and that's not being done. Um, the other thing that I just wanted to address with this is it's not only a matter of policy and legislation that's happening there. Um, there's also a big issue with women running for office. And I know this because I've helped on a couple of campaigns of women running for higher level executive type offices, right? One running for governor, so that's a statewide office and one running for U.S. Senate, 
obviously like as you you're elected by the entire state and when you see the insides of a campaign like that these women are qualified uh, without a question, you know, our former governor, uh, Governor Herbert, who I thought was a great guy, um, he did not have a college education. He was a real estate agent. And, and that's great. And that's what we love about democracy, right? Anyone can do this. As you and I are both aware, women are hold, held to a totally different standard because we right now have, you know, the one woman that I'm thinking of running for Senate, you know, she was in the governor's office for many years. She worked um, in global communication strategy for the uh, at the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you know, highly, highly qualified. And yet people are, are waiting to support her until they can, you know, see if other people want to support her. And so actually the biggest piece that I'm finding that holding women back is fundraising and that sounds funny like oh well money should just come if she's qualified it's going to come it isn't going to come it doesn't come somebody has to take a gamble on that first woman and say i'm willing to put money behind it we want everybody to run a campaign without having financial um you know without having the finances behind it that's not reality an entire campaign needs money, right? Like they cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And when you're to some of these are millions of dollars. And what you see is they go in and talk to some of these traditional donors in our state who donate a lot to men's campaigns. And, and they, I don't think that they can even see it, but they're waiting for other people to get on board and support. And they think that they would love to have a woman, but it takes getting behind a woman to make it happen. So right now we have a couple great candidates out there who are women and, and it's still a tough road for them because I see the fundraising hurdles that they have to face. And I honestly don't know if things don't change quickly, if we will have a woman elected to a statewide office in literally in the next generation, I would be surprised. We'd have to have something major change. Yeah, it's really interesting. Emily Bell McCormick is with the Policy Project. Dr. Susan Matson with the Utah Women Leadership Project. Dissecting the Wallet Hub study, and I think we could take each one of these topics and dissect it and dissect it and dissect it. So we could probably do a whole other show on this, but I'd invite you to go to the Utah Women and Leadership Project website and take a look at where Utah's points come from in the recent Wallet Hub study so you can know where Utah needs to do a little bit better. Thank you for joining us this week on The Mom Show. We'll be back next week.